In the name of Jesus, amen. From Matthew chapter 10. And children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And with that, I'd like to wish all the dads out there (laughs) a happy Father's Day. (laughs) Talk about a disconnect. The secular calendar says, yay dads. While the church calendar has Jesus telling your old man, watch out, because Junior might be gunning for you. A part of me thinks that the group of people who put together this lectionary, that's what we call the the schedule of readings, uh, knew that there'd be lots of times this passage would fall on Father's Day and and got a little chuckle out of it. Oh, how the preachers will squirm, maybe they, they thought. Same folks were probably tempted to put Romans 13, submit to the governing authorities around Independence Day. That's not a good one. (laughs) Uh, Fitting or not, I thought of this, at least to make sure that we dads uh, keep the bar pretty low when it comes to Father's Day gifts. Uh, Instead of complaining about the super dad t-shirt, you can just be glad that our progeny have not risen up and, and tried to put us to death. I should say, but I do have a, a Super Dad t-shirt that I actually like. I wear it so much it has holes in it and could, could use another one. I like it better than the, uh, the World's Best Dad paraphernalia because World's Best Dad stuff is kind of an implicit judgment on all the other dads, right? If I have the best, then you're not. But we can all be Super Dads on, on Father's Day. Of course, Jesus, in that reading from Matthew 10, was not thinking Father's Day. When he spoke those words, when he spoke them to his 12 disciples who he was sending out as apostles to preach and to teach and to heal, he wasn't teaching or or thinking Father's Day, he was thinking reality. He was thinking the reality that those 12 would face, the reality of the opposition they would face as they went and faced the powers that be that would not tolerate preachers proclaiming the power that always has been and ever shall be. Powers that wouldn't tolerate, as they didn't tolerate eventually in Jesus, a new way of doing things that included stuff like feasting with tax collectors and sinners and giving bear hugs to lepers and prostitutes. Going out for me, says Jesus, and Caesar won't like it, neither will your family. A verse or two after the bit that we read, Jesus takes some more air out of the Father's Day and family balloons Men will turn against their fathers and daughters against their mothers. Whoever loves father or mother, daughter or son more than me is not worthy of me. That's your reality, Jesus says to these twelve. Be prepared for it. But then take heart. Take heart to know you have a father who treasures you, who knows and treasures you right down to every hair on your cute little heads. That was the reality for those 12 who Jesus was sending out. And for some folks today, too, it's their reality also in the prayers of the church. We oftentimes include a petition for those who right now, right now are persecuted for following Jesus by their family, some even killed by them. A simple Google search will turn up way too many stories, way too quickly, of those who are hated by families as Jesus says, for my name's sake, for following Jesus. So the disciples' reality, 
uh, the disciple, the reality of, of some today. But for most of us, perhaps not so much. Some members of my family may have at least gotten close to hating me a time or two, but I can guarantee you it was not because I was doing such a good job following Jesus. (laughs) Just the opposite. Uh, All this stuff about commitment to Jesus, turning children against fathers and fathers against children, I mean, some of you may have tasted a little bit of that, But I'm guessing that most of your experiences, many anyway, is a lot closer to mine. Instead of dad turning you into this Gestapo for following Jesus, for loving Jesus, along with mom, he's the guy who brought you to be baptized, perhaps made you go to church whether you wanted to go or not, taught you and showed you the love of Jesus in the first place. (laughs) It's part of the reason you got on that super dad t-shirt. So what? What in the world can Jesus' words... Difficult words, always, but especially on a a Father's Day. Beware your dad. Junior might be gunning for you. What can warnings like that about family say to us whose realities are a fair bit different? A couple of uh, favorite uh, uh, illustrations from Netflix shows to help me answer. First one, a few years back, mentioned it before, I'm sure. It's one of my favorite shows, Breaking Bad. Uh, tons of wisdom in that show, TVMA, just to warn you. Uh, way too briefly, it's about this guy, Walter White. He's a brilliant yet vastly underappreciated high school science teacher who breaks bad and secretly starts making and selling uh, crystal meth. At first, it's just to pay for his cancer treatments, but eventually he becomes a major drug mover, making millions and leaving a trail of broken lives and corpses in his wake. And over and over, throughout the the five seasons of the show, um, uh, whenever anyone confronts him, a lot of times uh, anyway, especially when it's members of his his family who eventually find out what's going on, he says the same sort of thing. He says something usually with great indignation. He says, everything, everything I did, everything I sacrificed, I did it for this family. He tells that to himself and to everyone else. Then in one of the final scenes in the last season, uh, things are coming apart. Uh, Walter is is on the run. His wife, Skylar, she's left him, and she and their baby are living in this rundown apartment because she refuses to take uh, any of her husband's drug money. But he's found her, and he confronts her seemingly to once again make her understand. And so he starts in, everything I did, everything I sacrificed, So Skylar puts up her hand with kind of tears in her eyes and she says, don't, don't say it. Only to have Walter finish his sentence and say, I did it for me. I like the rush. I like the money. I did it all for me. First illustration. Uh, Second one, Ozark. It's more a recent show. It's a great show, too. Also TVMA, warned. <laughs> it's somewhat like Breaking Bad. Instead of Walter White, it's, uh, it's Marty Bird. Marty Bird is this, uh, this kind of high-powered um, Chicago finance guy who has a little side hustle with some criminal types. Long story short, it morphs into him moving to the Ozarks and running casinos 
for the express purpose of laundering money for the Navarro drug cartel. (laughs) And now Marty's got plenty of his own. It's all for the family moments. But the extra twist here is that Marty ends up doing his dirty with the family. He's tried to keep it just him and no one else know what's going on. But like the Bible says, sins of the fathers visited upon the sons. In one telling scene, season one, I think, Marty discovers that his 12-year-old son, Jonah, is setting up bank accounts under false names. (laughs) And so Marty's about to lay into his son, Jonah, but then Jonah says, but Dad, isn't this what you do? Just trying to help. Marty's deflated, of course. And pretty soon, wife Wendy is uh, bribing politicians, and daughter Charlotte is uh, stashing cash in the family crypt. Thinking that he's helping his family, he's actually taught them to be criminals. You can watch the whole show, but that's just about every family. There's all sorts of characters and families in the show. Every family, the Birds, the Cage, the Snells, the Navarros, every generation is infected by what they learned, absorbed without even trying from their parents, and actively in the process of trying not to pass the infection on to the next generation, although they seem not to be able to help it. So maybe now you know a couple of things. First, you know why I'm not as productive as I should be. (laughs) Watch too much TV. But perhaps you also know a bit of why I think Jesus so over the top forefronts the family. Resistance to and from family in those warnings to his disciples. Because family is so darn powerful. The persecution angle, again, I think that's probably not the same for most of us. But the powerful stuff, we can learn from that. Family is powerful, and like everything else powerful, it can be powerfully good and powerfully bad. Walter White, everything I do, I do it for family. Ever said or thought those words? To yourself? To others, are they true? Or do we like the rush, the money, the bigger house, or something else? Really, really just want the best for the kids. Or maybe, just maybe, the reason I push so hard is because I like the idea of him getting on that team or her getting into that school. Because, you know, I kind of I like the way it makes me look. That's not even to bring up the parental guilt trips. It's another way of doing things just for the family, not because you want to. You know what I mean. Of course, I have no idea uh, what parental guilt trips are or look like. And I'm not only saying that because both my own parents and those to whom I am a parent (laughs) happen to be present here. You see how tricky it is, and that's just to scratch the surface, how tricky this family thing is, because for most of us, family is so darn good, like I said. Heck, they brought me to baptism. If it wasn't for my family, I wouldn't know Jesus. But it's just that goodness that makes it a good hiding place for our less savory bits. If it wasn't for your family, for my family, maybe you wouldn't know Jesus. But what else did you learn, absorbed from your family? I shudder to think what, in addition to Jesus, I've taught my own kids, Marty Bird style, without having to try very hard, not so much racketeering, 
but a veritable apprenticeship and selfishness, passive-aggressive temper-losing, certainly not how to be the ideal husband and who knows what else. And that's every parent. We give a lot of good, but also plenty of baggage. We wish finally to get into some good news territory. I mentioned baptism a few times in the sermon, and that was purposeful. Why baptizing our little ones like we do so often is such a relief. Every parent's prayer at the font, of the font at least is mine. I'll put it in a, a father's voice since it's, it's me, saying, thank you, God, for claiming this little one as your own. Because if all she had was a big dummy like me to look out for her, she would be in real trouble. And I could go on and say, I know she's got her mom here too, but she's at least a big enough dummy to marry me. <laughs> so thank you, Jesus, for promising to hold this child tight no matter how much baggage I saddle her with or how big a mess I make of things. You see, when our Lord sent out those 12, again, how, them, how I'm getting from that, that text to what I'm trying to say here, he preps them with all these warnings, a lot of which have to do with about opposition from their families. Because he knows that that opposition, how important family is, how hard that opposition will be, because he's saying more or less to them, but remember, your family's not me. Your family's not your Savior. Your family's not Jesus. I'm Jesus. I'm your Savior, and no matter what's up with your family, no matter what they do, you have a Father who loves you. So again, the direct persecution bit, probably not so much for us, but that kernel still remains. Your family's not Jesus. And that is not a knock on your family. How dare we knock families on Father's Day? (laughs) I want you to hear that as good news. I, for one, would be absolutely overjoyed if instead of a replacement super dad t-shirt, this year my kids get me one that says, this dad is not Jesus. (laughs) I would wear it with emancipated joy. What a relief for me not to have to be Jesus and my kids not to expect me to be Jesus. Or maybe they can get me a hybrid shirt that says, this dad's super, but he's no Jesus or something. What a relief. That'd be a great Father's Day present. Dad, you don't have to be Jesus. And what great news for my dad and his dad before him that they can just be big dummies like their son and grandson and like my son who will be a much better father than I am someday, but who still will be a great big dummy. With plenty of Walter White and Marty Bird in him, probably because he learned it from me. What a relief. This man is not Jesus. And you can add this mother, this daughter, this son, this grandfather, this grandmother is not Jesus. With your dad or, or, or son or mother or daughter relieved of having to be like Jesus, you get to cut him some slack. <laughs> Instead of being let down when they let you down again. You get to see your dad as your brother and your daughter as your mom and your sister, your son as your brother. Big dummies who need Jesus and get Jesus exactly the way you do together. You get to rejoice in the very good news of this father, of the father who conspired with the beloved son to love you forever. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the only ones truly to ever really do it all for the family, for this world. Jesus, who went about feasting and fast and feasting with tax collectors and sinners and with Walter White and with your parents 
and went hugging prostitutes and lepers and you and your kids, who for you and your parents and for me and for all our messy families gathered up all of our sin and all of our baggage and dragged it to the cross. What a relief. So to review, your family is not Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. Your imperfect father is your forgiven brother. And together, you have the best father of all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.